0: And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode two sixty eight. I'm your host, Blaine Pudve, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm live and in Montreal. Woo!
0: woo. I have uh, all the inside I deets. Had to leave. I had to leave. I came back. Well, I mean, you had that first class ticket on the uh, MCTV. Yeah,
1: for the one night
0: yeah what
1: a terrible sleep that was
0: <laughs> i'm sure it was i don't like honestly i don't like sailing on those things because they're flat bottom boats and they just rock way too much for me
1: oh, It wasn't too bad going up to st lawrence it was all right we anchored at iroquois once we left the iroquois dock we anchored there and then left the next morning so
0: is that the dock that uh they completely destroyed iroquois on and then sent her to the East Coast for us to fix.
1: Maybe it's the one that goes from uh, it's the one in the United uh, last one from the United States. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, the lock. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. lock. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is our first show since uh, our live episode at McLean's, and I want to thank everyone that did show up and everybody that sent their their well wishes and comments. Uh, we appreciate that. Look, not much has happened in the uh in the week since so no, i don't. I, I, don't even show. Know why
1: we're, I don't even know why we're doing a show
0: i don't know it's summer i mean there can't possibly be any hockey talk to be had
1: not in the summer
2: it's 31 degrees no. who's thinking hockey right so that's but i am wearing my weird. draft hat <laughs> right?
0: 17th round pick um all right so this episode we have quite a bit actually mm-hmm. i know we joke and kid but uh the development camp happened immediately after the draft um there were a couple of trades there were a couple of signings there's rumors so hey why don't we just start with the development camp
2: mm-hmm.
0: so a couple of days after the draft was finished they they had their measurements done and Somehow Slavkowski, uh I guess he shrunk an inch. Yeah, he
2: shrunk about an inch.
0: Yeah. And uh, then they had their on-ice sessions. They had their, and then finally a scrimmage game. So I watched a lot of the stuff that they were doing. And I came away impressed by three prospects. Did you watch any of it?
1: Yeah, I watched a little bit. I, I'll be honest, I was watching to see more what uh, Marie Poulet was going to do, Marie-Philippe Poulet, and how involved she was going to be. And uh, let me tell you, she was very, very, very involved, to the point that even Vincent Lecavier was saying he was learning some things from her out there. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, I watched a lot of it. There was a, a couple guys that impressed me out there. And uh, uh, let's see if I – we'll hear your list first and see if mine's similar to yours or not.
0: Well, the first one is Slifkowski. He, uh, he scored within seconds of the beginning of the camp, so yeah. he kicked it off. Uh, he, he, was, he was everything that he was touted to be in that camp. I mean, granted, it's camp and, you know, they're not going full speed, but he did all the things that he's been um, scouted as being skilled in. Uh, he also showed a lot of uh, a lot of int- uh, hockey IQ in those small area games that they were playing. He was able to push pace, make quick and decisive plays and accurate passes. So I was really impressed by his play. Um, the other one is Sean Farrell. You can tell that he his game has matured quite a bit since the last development camp. And... My God. I mean, after the Olympics and the World Championships, uh, playing NCAA for a full season, he really impressed me with, with uh, just how he sees the ice, his vision along the ice. He, he, he knows where to go, where to be, and how to get the puck to where it needs to be and be in, in a position to continue the play. Um, I think another year in the NCAA, and we'll be talking about this kid heavily, come March of this coming year when people are going to be begging for him to be signed. And the third one is Lane Hudson. I mean, that kid, holy geez, the skating on that kid. It's just, I, you know, it's one of the best. Well, yeah, I'd say he's one of the best skaters I've seen in my life. He is just so, so
2: smooth. Yeah. All right. Two of mine are, are the same as yours, but one isn't. So I have Silovsky, okay. of course. I thought
1: he was, uh, I thought he was great. He's everything he was built to be. Uh, I believe he has a very, very good chance of making the uh, NHL next year.
2: Um, guaranteed. Uh, but from what I hear, from Hughes
1: hinting and talking and stuff like that, I think there's a spot kind of there for him to take, if that if, if that makes any sense. Uh, the other uh, the other one was Hudson to me. I think Hudson's going to be the star defenseman we've been looking for for years. He's going to grow another two to three inches because of his uh, bone issue or his bone, his, whatever that is, his bones grow slower than the rest of his body or something. I don't know. Uh, but even at the 5'8 he is, he's not Victor Mete, let's just say that, Um, because even though he's small, I found even though he was small, he was using his body, and he he was doing what, like he was holding off bigger guys than he was, so I I mean, I don't mean to trash Mete, because you know I hate doing that, but uh, that's something Mete could never do, like Mete, let's be honest, Mete could skate, he had the puck moving skills, it's just he didn't have the IQ in either end, to, to finish his game where as in Hudson, he can skate like magnificently. Like he's like a gazelle on the ice. He's like a unicorn in space. Like it's, you can quote that Beth, you're going to quote that unicorn in space. Um, You know, and then uh, he, he and he can skate circles around everybody. Uh, he can handle the puck. He has his hockey IQ on the defensive end, the offense, and every zone is just high, high up there. I'm telling you right now, this kid was 6'2", he would have been a top five pick. Maybe top three. Uh,
0: yeah, it, no, I can't argue that
1: yeah, at all. So, I mean,
0: the he, he had a couple of plays where he was up against larger players, including Slavkovsky, And instead of trying to reach in or make a move that could compromise himself defensively, he, he noticed, okay, is cutting to the middle, he's on his backhand, he's about 15 feet out from the ice I'll give him that shot I'll just stay on him make it a little bit harder on him and it's a low percentage play for him to score if he scores well then I mean okay but it's he's playing percentages he's playing his position he is he's guiding skaters to where he wants them to be so that he can defend against them and that kind of that level of intelligence will play very well for him especially if he remains at a smaller stature
1: he's taking away the lanes like everything you say in yeah. defense best thing to do is take away the lanes and that's what he's doing he's taking away the passing lanes and like you just said all right this guy's bigger than me I'm probably not going to oh, battle him you know for the puck or whatever let me just do this to make sure he goes that way and that way gives, if he takes a shot it's a low percentage shot if it goes in, we'll blame Montembeau so uh <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's just like that but my uh my third guy was Heinemann uh the guy they got from Calgary yeah I thought yeah. he had a very good camp. I, that, I'll that be honest. That's the first for highlights that I've seen on, on YouTube and what people have put up. And I thought he was really good. Uh, his shootout uh, little goal there that he had, I thought was excellent. I don't always look at a shootout goal. and think this guy is going to be the next best thing, but uh, I found he has a good hockey IQ. He has a good crisp pass. He's a, he's a fairly good skater. Uh, he knows his role well. Um, I don't see him being much more than maybe a third liner winger or something like that. But, uh, um, <clears throat> I thought he had a good camp. I, uh, Sean Farrell, I thought had, there, there was a few, I thought, uh, Vertebeck, the goalie vertebeck Vertibak, Ber- Verbatek. Ber- Ber- uh, name? I thought he had a great, and out of that camp, he got himself a Laval rocket contract. So, uh, uh, that's yeah. good on him. I thought he had a pretty good camp. It's hard to judge goalies in these camps because it's not goalie friendly, but, uh, um, yeah, I would say, you know, they're my three Farrell's a close second. Cause I, I like you, I thought Farrell had a great camp. Uh, I think he's having a great, I think he's going to be an NHL player, uh, whether he's a star or not, it's going to be another question, but I truly believe, uh, he's going to be a, a top nine, maybe top six type player, maybe high ceiling, second line, but a definite third line player. Uh, that's, that's what I see in
0: Farrell. I mean, with him, you can you can see him as a top six player, but if he doesn't make it, I can you can see him as a, uh, uh, a Charles Houdon. Um,
1: well, an NHL Charles Houdon. not, yeah. not an AHL Charles Houdon. Well,
0: he, he, he kind of in between, <laughs> you know, up and down, up and down kind of thing. But yeah, but he's uh, got this, he's got that potential ceiling that he, he could be a top six winger, and if that could, if that ends up <clears throat> being the case, all the better. <clears throat>
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. And, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a good camp, good three days. Uh, the scrimmage game was good. Uh, you know, um, the more I see Slafowski, the more I hear about him, the more whatever, the more I'm uh, excited about the pick. Uh, again, I do think he's going to make the team, but don't put that in writing. That's uh, I think still think he has to earn it, like I think with every young guy coming in. If he's ready for the NHL, he'll play in the NHL. If he's not, he won't. That's the way I look at it. they
0: also need the cap space for it
1: well right now they have it as long as they don't sign anybody else
0: <laughs> not, not really not really he's got 3.5 million coming to him if you include bonuses and you don't want that rolling over every year right so true true um, but uh so but i'm really looking forward to the prospect tournament that's going to happen in buffalo in about three weeks so it'll be really fun to watch. Unfortunately, no NCAA players will be there. No Lane Hudson, no Sean Farrell, uh, no Ty Milanic, But they still have a pretty decent lineup showing up to that tournament.
1: Well, They'll have, uh, they'll have Heinemann. They'll have Waugh. They'll have... They'll have uh, well, I don't know if they'll have Waugh because uh, Wa uh, Beck, and somebody else is supposed to go to the World Juniors. Uh, who was the third one? I can't remember who the In third they- one was. Yeah, they're supposed to go to the uh, the World Juniors, so I don't know if they'll play in that prospects tournament or not. Um, but if they do, I mean, I think we'll have a fairly good team. I mean, uh, I don't look at the – to me, I don't care if they win or lose any of these games. It's, I just want to watch the players and see how they react in the situations. The only thing I don't like about these games is there's a, somewhat a little bit of a headhunting. You can ask uh, Luke Evans or uh, Jake Evans about that. Uh, but <clears> – <throat> You know, that that that's in the game. So if you can't handle that at that at that level, are you gonna handle it in the NHL? I wanna see Slavoski in a competitive, more competitive environment. Uh not that the Olympics and that wasn't competitive, but you know what I mean, like a more competitive yeah. environment to D plus, you know, in his draft year. Uh and just see how he handles himself. And uh same with uh the other Slovak there uh that they that they uh got uh um, sure. Mishar, Mishar, how do you say his name? Mishar, yeah, sure. Mishar. Anyway, sure. Yeah, I'm never going to get these names, but uh, I I look forward to seeing how he yeah. plays. Well, I I I didn't think he stood out in the development
0: camp. So, uh, I mean, we'll he 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 looked like he was he was able to keep up and push pace. Uh, I, he can play in the AHL this year because he was a European yeah. draft pick that signed. But uh, Kitchener Owens is right. So my guess is they're leaning towards sending him to the OHL.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh I know uh Hughes has said he's gonna play in the in North America, whether that's Kitchener yeah. or the AHL I don't know. They decide a bunch of players to play in the AHL, so I don't really see him maybe when he's done a season in Kitchener you'll see it come up like uh like Wad did and uh and uh, uh Kidney. So uh We'll see. We'll see. I, I have no issue with him going to Kitchener at all. I'm not, I'm well, no, neither
0: do I. I think it's, it would be a good step for his development, I believe. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those signatures that we've seen for the Rocket, uh, several of them are going to be ending up going to Tuaregiat. So Correct. Joe Verbatik, yeah. likely to be one of the two goalies going down to Tuaregiat, along with uh, De Rosier, who signed at the same time.
1: Yeah. Philip DeRozier more, I think, it's a veteran. He's going to be more of yeah. a Kevin Poul- Kevin Poulin-type role. So uh, I'm actually surprised they never re-signed Kevin Poulin unless he's looking for an NHL contract. But Because uh, um, he had a great year last year. And if DeRozier can do what Poulin did last year, then more um, backup for Caden Primo. Because I think this is going to be Caden Primo's year to play maybe 60 games in the NHL, hopefully, anyway and uh see what he can do he had a great uh i will admit when it comes to primo i was on my way to saying i don't think he's the guy and then he had that playoff run for laval and who knows who knows
0: he salvaged that a little bit he He still needs that full year to really prove himself oh definitely he's
1: not he's not nhl ready yet he's not
0: no 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 um all right so from the development camp we're going to move on to free agency so before there was one signing that just everyone's scratching their heads and wondering why. And that's Goudreau to Columbus.
1: Uh, he likes Ohio. I don't know. Um,
0: I mean, Columbus is a nice city and all, uh, you know, Ohio state, uh, universities there. Um, it's a uh, couple million people.
1: I think Johnny just wants to play in a low level atmosphere hockey town. Um, you know, he, you know, Calgary, believe it or not, is actually a bustling hockey town in the, in the winter time. And, and I think he just wanted to go. So maybe he really likes, I was going to say torts, but torts is in Philadelphia, but I don't know, may I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I you knew he wasn't in Calgary, but you knew New Jersey and the Islanders were looking hard at him. So even those were kind of not as high profile as some other places, but I guess he just wanted Middle America. I, I have no idea.
0: It, oh, it's it really, closer I, to it's closer where you grew up.
1: Well, there you go. Maybe that's what it is. I don't. I, I I'm stumped. Good for him. He even took lesser money. Yeah, that that's what that yes, surprised did. me. He took lesser money. Maybe it's a family thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's M- not murder? all about it's not all about dollars and signs or dollars dollars and cents.
2: So,
0: well, I mean, it's, I it's know. not, it's not super close to where he grew up. Cause he grew up in Jersey, but it's a quick flight from Newark to Columbus. I think it's like yeah. an hour. So that's way closer than going all the way to Calgary, which is a couple of connecting flights, but you know, but when you're looking you know at about 12 hours of travel,
1: you know, it would have been closer New Jersey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Columbus sold them on, on what they were doing and I mean they've got a really good family atmosphere there too. And it's not you know, the the hockey market is a small hockey market market, so he could probably walk around town and not worry. I
1: think I'm leaning to that. I'm leaning to the fact he wanted to go to a place where he knew he'd be anonymous. And uh there away you go, I guess. I don't know. It's about as strange a signing as Montreal
2: signing the big star player that they signed as a UFA. Madison Bowie? Correct.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But with Goudreau, I mean, people were complaining that he showed no loyalty to the team. I mean, I'm sorry, but this is pro sports. Where's the loyalty to the players?
1: I get tired of this whole no loyalty. If the team, listen, obviously he did not want to play in Calgary anymore. All right. No. He was there. He was there, what, six, seven years or something like that. I don't know how long he was there for. But I mean, no, if he doesn't think... want it, if he doesn't want to be there anymore, he doesn't want to be there anymore. Like, it's no different than Jeff. We'll get to it later. Jeff Petrie in Montreal. He loved Montreal, but situations change. Things change. And now then he didn't want to be there anymore. And, you know, like, can we t- quit? It's like the Leafs thinking everyone who's from Toronto wants to sign a hometown discount to play for the Leafs. It doesn't happen. Sure, Jason Spezza did it, but that's Jason Spezza because he wanted to – He was at the end of his career, he made his money. Didn't care, right? Like other people are like, you know what, I want to – maybe they want to go to uh, – maybe he wants to go to Columbus because he can help build them a Stanley Cup. You know what, build a team to a Stanley Cup. Maybe that's what he wants to do. He sees in Calgary they're in kind of a – where are we going type spot and he and he'd rather either be with a team that's starting to build for a cup or a team already on its way to the cup and i have no issue with that i have no issue with people going for money it's their lives it's what they want to do i would leave if a job came to me tomorrow and said we will give you twice as much as what you're making now i would put my resignation into the military tomorrow here's my 30 days yeah (laughs) absolutely it has nothing to do with loyalty because I look at it and say, all right, now it'd be different if Calgary, you know, brought him out of the gutter and re, you know, rebuilt his game like Toronto's going to do with Mete and turn him into this, turned him into this big superstar. Uh, but they didn't, he did that on his own. Now, do I think he's going to score a hundred some odd points in Columbus? No, I don't think he is, but.
0: Uh, no, probably not. And. With the loyalty part, I mean, you look at the uh, you look at other teams around the league, like Vegas. They're every single year going after the shiny new object to the yep. point that their cap is completely out of whack, and they end up giving away a thirty-five goal scorer in Patcheri to Carolina for future considerations, who seems yeah, to I be really, the most popular player in the league. I, I want to
1: know who that guy is, and I want to. I've been looking him up on Hockey Reference to see how many points he gets a year, and I can never find it. He's a secret player,
0: but But he's been everywhere. They lack the loyalty to the guys that they have brought into Vegas to the point where they're just signing more guys and more guys and more guys where they end up losing all these really good hockey players. I mean, how do you not get something for Pacioretty? Even when he had a trade demand in and refused to report, the Canadians still got a pretty decent return.
1: Well, they got an okay return, I guess. They got what? Thomas Tatar and some prospect dude that I never heard of.
0: Yeah, and some draft pick.
1: Some Nick Suzuki. Oh, and the draft pick was.
0: Norlander. Norlander,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I know people do, oh, we won the trade because Vegas has nothing, but I don't look at it that way because they're two totally different trades. So, both teams won that trade. I don't care what anyone says.
0: But Vegas screwed it up. By Vegas not screwed it managing up. By,
1: and how uh, George McPhee still has a job in Vegas, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I absolutely I have, no, have idea. no idea. If you have to give away a potential 40 goal scorer for nothing because you don't have cap space to hold anyone else on your team,
2: like why did they go get Eichel if they knew they couldn't afford him?
0: Because he was the shiny object.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, can't, I
1: don't see, I'm glad Ken Hughes we're going to get into this later and he's not doing stupid stuff like that. So
0: no, he is not. And I I was kind of going to segue from that and say, well, you compare what uh, McCrimmon's doing in Vegas to what Hughes is doing in Montreal. So you mentioned Petrie, Petrie requested a trade, said he would Mm -hmm. still play until he found something that kind of fit, but Hughes went all out and found something just yesterday.
1: Well, Ken Hughes said right from this trade deadline last year that, yes, Jeff Petrie, he was taking calls on Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie, mind you, according to Hughes, Jeff Petrie never came out and asked for trade. He told Hughes what his situation was, and they mutually agreed that maybe him moving to a different team would be the best answer for Jeff Petrie. So I'm only saying this because you know you're going to have the people, oh, Petrie quit on the team, Petrie hated Montreal. Petrie hated the situation in Montreal at the time. He has a family of, what, four kids under the age of... His wife's pregnant, three kids under the age of six. They were living in Michigan because of the, what's going on and what was going on with COVID. And it was affecting him. game. And you know what? I get that. He's a family man. His family comes first. I get Ken Hughes. Ken Hughes said, yep, Jeff, I'll entertain that, but only if it works for both of us. Right? Jeff being... The logical I said, I agree to that. So before anyone says he quit on the team, he did not. Because he could have easily said, no, I want to trade ASAP, right? I don't give a shit what you get back. And he didn't. Um, so, lo and behold, Blaine Poppin and I are sitting at the draft, and I get a picture of a yeah. bald behind the table, because he walked around a little bit looking for the table. Uh, and he's talked to Ron Hextall. I put out a tweet. Saying, uh, is there a trade? I didn't say it was Petrie. So before anyone says, I didn't say it was Petrie, but Blaine, you mentioned to me, maybe they're talking Petrie. You you said that at the draft. Lo and behold, nine days later, Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling are traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Mike, Montreal native Mike Matheson in a fourth round pick. 2020.
0: Now, yeah, so at the draft, I mean, they talked for about 15 minutes and then mm-hmm. shook hands and said, okay, so there is something that they had laid out and it looked like it was something that had to happen after Pittsburgh made another move,
1: which well, turned out it was, they traded, uh Smith to Marino. New Jersey Marino. No.
0: Yeah. They got Smith from Marino for, Marino. For Marino for New Jersey for, yeah,
1: for, yeah, for Marino. So they traded away at, their. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: yeah. And they traded him away to make space on the right side for Petrie to come oh, in. Yeah. As well yeah. under the cap, so it kind of fits under the cap for them. Um, and you look at the return that Hughes got for him. So this is a 34 year old defenseman uh, making six point two five million, and he's going to be on the decline soonish. I don't think it'll happen for another year or two, but nonetheless instead of having to eat some cap and then give away a prospect on top of that, just to take the player, like they, like uh, San Jose did with Burns, the Canadians in return got Mike Matheson. So there's a guy who's from Montreal who, whose family lives there. So now one guy's family situations improved going to Pittsburgh and the other one's improved by going to Montreal. It's kind of like a win-win there. Mm Mm-hmm
1: and uh massive makes 4.87 million like it, it, it was a i would say for him as a friendly he really broke out uh last year with his 11 goals yep. 31 points um he when he was signed they expected this breakout to be a year or two earlier uh he's 28 years old so you you you're, you've lost six years of age on your defenseman He's in 28 years. It's about the prime for a defenseman, 28 to 32. And uh, you have him for the next four years. So you have him in his prime, uh, and then he becomes a free agent. So uh, that gave him, along with uh, Paling, they gave up $7 million in cap space to, uh, to Paling 750 uh, to Pittsburgh, and they only got a little under five back. Or they they got yeah. a little under So it gave him enough money. To go sign the person that everyone thought they lost.
0: Yeah, they saved about $2.1 million yeah. under the cap, and then they used $1.1 1. 1 of that to sign Rem Pitlick.
1: Right, which... Pitlick would ask for more money, because arbitration would have gave him around $3 million. So I was kind of... Yeah. That's kind of... To me, that shows Rem Pitlick wanted to stay in Montreal.
0: Yeah, he and I think he understands that if you were to sign a contract of that amount that it would only be the one year and if he did not meet uh the level expected of a 3.5 million five million dollar player probably wouldn't get another one but now at 1.1 not only can the team waive him and not have anything on the cap he is paid as a fourth liner should be paid right and the expectations for him now are not astronomical i mean he did he scored 26 points in 46 games for the canadians if he does 25 to 30 points over the entire season next year the, no one's going to be upset by that a 30 nope. point guy for 1 million bucks no one's upset no
2: nope. and uh yeah he
1: played well last year he was what the eighth i think in rookie scoring last year um yes he he, he played very well in minnesota and they didn't have any room for him he was buried behind some players he He's a guy you can play up and down the lineup, so if you get some injuries or whatever, you can throw him in that top six if you really need to get he can play center, so he's very uh vers- so you do have a guy in Kirby Doc uh who's a center, but does he have any issue with his face offs uh and stuff like that? Here's a guy you could kind of throw in there and say, "All right, Kirby, or your, your face offs are off tonight we're gonna throw you know whatever you get a guy on the wing that's gonna complement the set face circle um. So I, I don't mind I don't mind the Pitlick sign. It was a surprise to me. I'm glad they got him. I like Pitlick from last year. Um but I'm with you. I don't see him being any more than a third line player. Fourth line maybe at best. We are deep on wing. Uh deep, deep, deep on wing, but we're deep on wing with not a lot of top six wingers. So uh
0: No, that's true. There's only I'd say maybe three legit top six wingers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anderson, Caulfield
0: and Slavkoski. Slavkowski.
1: Maybe Gallagher. Maybe if he's old Gallagher. Mm. But I still mm. see Gallagher as a third liner. So,
0: Yeah. That's just- uh, it, I'm expecting a lot from Gallagher this coming season. With the extra time so, off to rest, recuperate, train, uh, the motivation factor to come back from a really bad year, I'm expecting quite a bit out of him. Not a 30-goal year, mind you, but you know, a 20-20, 40-point 20, 20, guy. A-
1: I'm expecting 20, 25 goals and 40, 40, 40, maybe 50 points at the high end. Maybe, maybe. I'll be happy with 40. If he gets 40, I'll I'll
2: consider that a success.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, And on the blue line, what we're going to see is probably going to see two rookies. So any kind of Barron, Harris, and Gooley. So two of them are going to be in the lineup. I'm going to put more emphasis on Barron because he's a right-hand shot. So it'll be down to Gouli and Harris kind of battling it out for that that last spot. I think
1: if they all make it, I think you'll see St. Louis do what he did last year and kind of rotate the three out. You're never going to have two in the – you know what I mean? Like you'll never have two in the lineup at the same time. So you'll play a game, sit two, play a game, sit two. Uh, Until they prove – Barron, I think, is a little bit ahead of everyone else. Uh, so I agree with you. I think Barron will be that guy, but I mean, you still have on the right side, you still have Weidman and Savard. Uh, so Barron does have that little bit of an in in there because, you know, they don't have many, they don't have many other options. Uh,
0: Well, they got guys who can play both sides. So yeah. Schooneman's a guy who's played both sides. Uh, yeah. Mike Matheson's a guy who plays both sides, play both sides.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, but I think what you'll see is you'll see uh, Matheson and uh, Savard probably take the top line with Edmondson and maybe Weidman or Barron. You could see a guy like Barron playing with Edmondson. Edmondson will I would, Yeah. 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 So, that's
0: my expectation that Edmondson would play the role of big brother on something right. in a, yeah. in a role like that. Um, and then but, you got uh, uh,
1: yeah. Weidman and Harris yeah. slash Ghoulie.
0: Yeah,
2: really. That,
1: that's yeah. how I see it anyway.
0: And the ice time is going to be shared a bit. I think they'll yeah. do a pretty good job of uh, spreading that out. Uh, power play time going to, you know, guys like Harrison Barron versus penalty kill time that will go to guys like Gooley. Um, yeah. And I don't think we're going to see a bit. Next season's blue line is no better than last season's, which was bad. <laughs> they were, they were bad.
2: They were bad, but
1: uh, let's see who the goalie's going to be. Is it going to be carry Price? Is it going to be Jake Allen and old Montembeau? Is it going to be Price and Allen? Is it going to be Price and Montembeau? Let's see, because let's admit, if you've got a good carry Price or a healthy carry Price, your defense can be a little slack. Can be. Yeah, well, it
0: could be sheltered. It could be sheltered. It
1: can be sheltered, right? Uh, but if you don't, if you yeah. have a Sam Montebello back there, then you're going to get slaughtered every night. Sorry, true. offense, Sam Montebello, but
0: but uh, for the people that are screaming tank, 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 this blue line is not going to be the difference between you know picking third overall and picking tenth overall. Like they're not any better than they were last year. Matheson even brings what Petrie had with the Canadians. They play a similar game. It's just that Matheson plays on the right side or on the left side and he can actually make a pass on the power play.
2: You broke up there. I didn't know what you said.
0: Yeah. So Matheson and (laughs) Petrie uh, play similar, similar styles whereas Matheson plays on the left and can make a pass on the power play.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, the defense, again, I don't think this team, and I kind
1: of got in a little discussion with someone who says he's a pro hockey player and he knows everything about hockey on Facebook, where I said the problem with this team is this team is not bad enough to be a bottom five team. It's not. I'm sorry, but it isn't, especially if you have a healthy price. Although this guy seems to think price is done for his career because he's, he's garbage now. And Anyway, the point I'm making is bottom 10. Sure. Yeah, I can see this team being out. You got to remember this team was 14-19 four in a Martin St. Louis with Sam Mondebo as your number one goalie. Think about that. Sam Montabeau in a crappy defense and there were only five games under 500. So this team is not I don't they're not making the playoffs. I don't care who you I got goaltending. Playoffs. Playoffs. But I don't see them finishing bottom 5 either. So I say somewhere uh, between eight, nine, and ten is where they're gonna where, where they're gonna finish.
0: I, I depending on what happens between now and training camp, who's added, who's subtracted. Um, come next season, I can see the team fall to like a bottom five pick based on injuries. So if there's key injuries sure. to players, which sure. will happen. So it's how long are they out, and who's okay. missing. Are, they, are there several players gone at the same time? Are they going to be gone for long periods? You can say that about any team, though, really. Well, with this team specifically, because there's yeah. not much well, in the way of high-end players. If you have
1: Sam Montebo, your number one goalie, then yes, I will agree this team will be a bottom five team. Yeah. Sure. Right? But if you have a healthy Jake Allen or a healthy Carey Price, they remain relatively healthy all year, then no, this team's not a bottom five team. It's not a playoff team. It's not a cup contending team. It's not a bubble team. It is a bottom 10 team.
0: Yeah, like a 10th overall pick. 9 to 11, somewhere in there.
1: Nine, Somewhere 9, to. I'll say even 8 to 12. Somewhere in that window. Sure. Somewhere in yep. that window.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. But that all depends on what else is added and subtracted.
1: Well... Like I said, they haven't re-signed Herbie Doc yet, and Sam Montebos hasn't been signed, mind you. They can sign Montebo tomorrow for league minimum, I, was,
2: I, I would assume.
1: Uh, yeah. But Doc's probably going to want more
2: than what Rem Pitlick got, even though yes, uh, I can
0: see, I can see Doc asking for three point five in a bridge right. deal. So 3.5 yeah. over a bridge deal for Doc is what I can see. Like a two-year deal, 3.5 per season. Sure.
1: i see about two and a half. But yeah, three and a half. I, I wouldn't be surprised at three and a half. That's fine.
2: Over a bridge deal. Yeah. Yeah. So. so um, be, it, it'll,
1: but they don't have that. They only have like one 1.2. Plus they got to pay that overage fee when they see, you know, coming up. So.
0: They, well, they've got that covered right now. They need oh, to do move they? another right. player out. But but that's what I'm saying. They only have one
1: point yeah. two in cap space. So once you pay that overage, you only have like five hundred thousand or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And yeah. then right? So you have to move a player out. You have to move at least three to four million dollars out somehow, some way. And then now, now Byron's supposed to go on LTIR, but you can't wait for the season yeah. to you can't wait for the season to start to put a guy on LTIR. Because you gotta sign that guy before I mean you can go over. You can go ten percent over the cap, I guess. So
0: yeah. They and as long as you put it. him on LTIR before the season or just as the season's starting, you're okay. But anytime you ask or you, you talk about the Canadians dropping salary, the first name everyone pops up is get rid of Hoffman. Oh, I mean, it's going to be Hoffman. My question is who the fuck wants him?
2: Calgary.
1: And what will it they cost to get Goodrow. rid of him? They just lost Goodrow. They could Calgary could take another winner. Listen, everyone hates Hoffman because he doesn't play defense and he floats around, but Hoffman has his his points. Like Hoffman, supposedly, even though he didn't do it in Montreal, supposed to be good on the power play.
0: Well, he was near the end of the season, but my point is with Hoffman, because he doesn't play really well defensively, and and by that I mean not so good, um, it's going to cost an asset with him for someone to take that contract, especially if you you're hoping that the Canadians aren't eating some of that cap.
1: Well, it doesn't look to me like Ken Hughes wants to eat any cap from anyone.
0: No, no, and no. he
1: proved, he proved that with Jeff Petrie. He was not eating any cap from Jeff Petrie. So if you want to get, I, I don't think it's going to be Huffman is going to be the guy they're going to move. I really don't. No. But uh, if they're going to move Huffman and what's he four and a half million or something, he would be the perfect move but you're going to have to eat something. You're going to have to give up a high draft pick or a top prospect by top prospect. I mean, like B nothing, level. Yeah. B level prospect in order to get rid of him. So, and then you got to find a team with the cap space to take him. Uh Who needs a winger? Um, now that the is gone. Calgary is, comes in mind to me, you know what I mean? But does uh, Calgary one. I really want Mike Huffman over there. There's whatever. Um, to me, I think
2: you'll be better off trying to move a guy like Armia or a guy like uh I wanna a guy who has wrist injuries and you know, he's already been run out of town
1: here in Montreal by the, the fans and the media. Um, which you know me, I think you're on me with yeah. this. I don't agree with that, but uh And he's on an expiring contract. So someone could take that because it's an expiring contract. But, again, you might have to throw something in with that and say, hey, take this contract. So who do you – it's tough. I I would say –
0: With a guy like him, if you're not giving up a high prospect or a high pick, I could see that. I can see Hughes then saying, you know what, I'll eat $1 because it's an expiring deal.
2: Yeah, I
1: can. I can see him doing the same thing you did with Danadov, bringing Danadov over to uh, uh, get rid of Weber's contract there, right? To yeah. so he doesn't yeah. have to, have have that out. Uh, take a guy who's on a, a one year contract that maybe maybe a, a veteran defenseman that you can throw in there as your seventh defenseman to give the rookies a break or help the rookies out. Um, yep. However, it has to be an expiring contract that still gives him enough money to sign Kirby Doc and Sam Montembo. So, where do where you know getting rid of four and a half million only to bring four million back is just your waste. Why why bother?
0: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I think it might be Anderson his his best bet.
2: I hate
1: to see it, and I don't think Hughes wants to get rid of Anderson or he would have traded him already, I think. Uh, He's pretty much said if you want Anderson, you're overpaying for Anderson. But maybe taking – depends on what the overpay is and who takes him. I mean, could they get a third – if they get a third first-round pick and, I don't know, a a, a nice young player, like, I don't know, maybe if they traded a Winnipeg for a certain (laughs) player there, but then again, what's the rush to get that? Well, anyway, we'll talk about that later, but I don't know. as well know. just I jump just, into it now. Might as well jump into it. So if you want to make that trade, then uh, you're may, if you're trading Anderson, you're trading him in a deal for Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Dubois has been rumored, according to several sources, and including his agent. Agent. He wants uh, Montreal. He wants to play in Montreal.
1: And really, so here's the issue you have. You have a rock, Ken Hughes, and a hard place, Kevin che- Chevrolet. Both of them are stubborn as hell. Both of them do not make a trade unless they're going to get exactly what they want. And then you have Dubois. <laughs> so now I had a little thing today where I did not know this. I didn't know Dubois was at the draft, but apparently he was. Um, not a lot of
2: people didn't know he was there because the people we talked to had no idea he was there. We talked to. Then some... a guy on, on Twitter
1: said, Hey, he was at the draft. And I said, I don't think he was. And he quoted up, well, this podcast said he was, well, I don't, you know, I won't even trust my own podcast, let alone someone else's podcast for rumors. But then someone brought up an athletic uh, article by Arpen that said, yes, he, his agent said he was there with his family expecting a trade. Um. Yeah. So either uh, Renaud Lebois, uh, either he, uh, that's the trade he was talking about that was on the table. Now, apparently Montreal offered three players to uh, Winnipeg for Dubois. This is the rumor. And uh, Winnipeg turned it down. So here's the issue. Ken Hughes is, I think uh, Winnipeg wants a top player like Caulfield, uh, something like that is what I think they know back. Um I think that's, that's where the happening. stalling it's not how ha- I'm 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 just using Caulfield as a name. I don't have any yeah. but yeah. I think they, they want one of Montreal's highest like it's either Caulfield or Doc or Sloboski or something like that is what they want back for Dubois. And I don't think Ken Hughes is budging on that. Um a lot of people think Doc was just traded to get Dubois, but I didn't why didn't they just trade for Dubois straight out and not bother getting docked? Like, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, So I believe uh, it's one of those Kent isn't going to step back from what he wants, but the ball's in Montreal's court. If if Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to go to Montreal, the ball's in their court. It's not in Winnipeg's court.
0: True. I mean, if this is something that looks like it's eventually going to happen where he's going to end up in Montreal. Maybe not this summer, but a couple of years down the road because he's not looking at a long-term deal if he signs any. Um, today, it's the 17th of July, and this afternoon at 5 p.m., he did not file for arbitration, which means he's open to offer sheets. That kind of right. pushes Shovel Day off's hand. So that, that was
1: done on purpose. That was on, Now, Montreal's not going to offer sheet him because they don't have the money to offer sheet him.
0: And even if they did, Are they going to offer sheet and lose their first round pick next year? No, they're not. No.
1: Especially if they expect to be a bottom 10 team. Uh, Exactly. Or if some other people say, who say they know hockey, a bottom five team, because they know hockey. Anyway. uh, (laughs) I don't need, but the point I'm making is, is, and then this is why I think the ball's in Montreal's court, because they're just like, all right, well, you don't Mm -hmm. give us what I, we can't get him for what we want to give you. Sign him. Sign him to the deal. You know, he's going to tell you he only wants a one- or two-year deal. Once that deal's over, we'll take him as a free agent. If he wants to play here so bad, he'll come for a discount. That's the way. And plus, in two years, Montreal will have
0: the money. We yeah, they'll it. have the need. They'll definitely have the yeah. need for him at that point. Yeah. And yeah. they'll have the money for it. Uh, Winnipeg, man, they're a mess. They don't know. You don't know where they're going to go. They don't know if they're going to rebuild. They don't know if they're going for it. They're missing a ton of parts, you know, maybe three different pieces that they could possibly get from the Canadians. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, but yeah, I, you see it online. You see it online, these people are are saying it's Suzuki or bust. I mean, I don't know what crack where they buy their crack. It's not Suzuki. But it's not Suzuki. No. I mean, in the same tweet saying it's Suzuki or nothing, they say they also go back down and say that, hey, we don't have much leverage, well, if you have no leverage, you're not going to get the top return
2: no no well, let's see see I know
1: Winnipeg Jets fans are saying, and I think there's some truth to some of this. I do think it's a high profile player that they want back. I do think I don't know if it's Suzuki, yeah. but I do think it's like a gooly or a or a Caulfield or a Sovosky or an Anderson. Right. And I don't see any of those players, Anderson, maybe, but Ken Hughes really likes Anderson. And he really wants it. Cause if he wanted to get rid of him, he would, would have traded him a long time ago.
0: Yeah. And, but uh, I don't think Anderson would be the sticking point here. I think it's the Suzuki coffee. No, uh, one,
1: one of those guys that, that they're asking for. Yeah. To stick I, I agree. I, and that's why I said earlier, if there is a trade for Dubois, Anderson could be part of that. Because, yeah. I mean, they do need a power forward, Winnipeg. Winnipeg will need a center when they get rid of Dubois. Winnipeg needs defense. The only thing they don't need is goaltending. That's the only thing they don't need.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the right. Canadians can easily offer up uh, an Edmondson and a, a Dvorak and, and an Anderson and maybe a pick. Yeah. They can and, throw and all that, that in.
1: To me, that's an overpayment. But, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: it clears up a ton of cap space. It fills, fills all it the does. holes they've got.
1: It does. It does. It gets
0: gets the Canadians ball rolling.
1: Yeah. And then with that cleared cap space, they can fill the defense up with a couple veterans. That way they don't need to worry about the rookies and maybe you're a little bit better than a top bottom 10 team, maybe a little bit better, but,
0: but the, the goal here is though, down the road, is this a a piece that they would really need to be a, a cup contending team in say two to three years.
1: Yeah, but in two or three years, they can get them for free without giving up anything. Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> that, that's my whole point about this. Like, This is why Kent Hughes is sitting back and going, I don't care what you want, Kevin. This is what I'm going to give you. Take it or leave it. <laughs> you know, And that's and the if- beauty
0: with Hughes, how he's been managing things. <laughs> he, he knows where the pressure points are. He knows what he can get away with. And he's been pushing right to that, that ledge.
1: And, and another thing on Matheson is, Ken Hughes was his agent until Ken Hughes became GM of the Montreal Canadiens. I decided to throw that out there.
0: Well, he, yeah. Uh, LaCalvia was his agent, but that's the same agency. Correct.
2: Yeah. 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 So, but, uh, and you're from the
0: same hometown.
2: So, yeah. but when it comes back to Dubois,
1: I have a feeling. I said it wasn't going to happen, but now I have a feeling that it probably is going to happen this year. Um, but then again, you get Dubois, you still got to sign him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's an RFA. that's, where, that's... to sign him. And you don't want to sign him for just two freaking years. You're going to want like an eight-year deal or something along those lines.
1: And that eight-year deal is going to be close to what Suzuki's getting made, if not more. The stats are similar. You have, Yeah, you I have would say
0: 20... around – yeah, you have a 23 year old
1: who, who scored 60 points twice, so he's going to yeah. get about eight million. And where are we getting that eight million? Where's the Canadians getting that eight million? Unless they get rid of Dvorak, Anderson, and somebody else,
0: and a, an established defenseman like an Edmondson, because they yeah. do not want to have Savard. I guarantee it.
1: Uh... <laughs> Savard, wait, Savard played well after he came back from his injury. I don't care what
2: he
1: yeah. says, but he's not but an. If Edmondson. you're,
2: he's, uh, he's no. not an.
1: Edmondson can play well and guide the young guys along. So,
2: plus, who's going to do all the uh, insurance commercials if Savard gets traded? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I agree with you. Like you,
1: yeah. I never thought of that three combo, but that's probably the best combo to give. But. Does Winnipeg want veteran-type players, or do they want – see, that's again – what's Winnipeg doing? Are they are they going to blow up the fire and rebuild, or do they still think they got a chance to burst that bubble and make it into the – go fire in the playoffs? Because if they want to blow oh, no, it, it was... up – If they want to blow it up, they don't want those three guys. Maybe Dvorak and Anderson. They don't want Edmondston, right? And I don't, I don't know how – I don't know how bad Montreal – wants to give up Anderson do they want to give him up for Dubois I would I give credit to Dubois he wants to go to Montreal as a French player and live under the scrutiny of if you have a bad game you might as well leave the city and if you have a great game you might as well own the city
2: so
0: yeah yeah it's a little bit bipolar on that uh that front. a little but bit it, you think it, yeah a little bit but it's clear that he's not happy in Winnipeg, and he's willing to play hardball. I mean, even if he signs a deal, I, I don't see it being longer than one to two years. They're not, he's not going to give UFA years away. No. He's going to keep his option open. He's going to turn 26 and uh, sign as a free agent with the Canadians for like eight, nine million bucks a year. Well, at a time a when the twelve. Canadians have that space. And even if, he, even
1: if he blows up and, I don't know, goes crazy and scores like 80, 85 points or 90 points, he's still only going to get about $9, $10 million.
0: Yeah. And, and but back to the, the Jets, what kind of team are they trying to put together? Are they trying to win? Are they trying to make the playoffs? Are they, they going to rebuild? Like they don't, If they don't know what the hell they're doing, it makes sense that he doesn't really want to stay.
1: So basically Chevrolet is the new Bergman. You have no idea what your team which way your team's going.
0: One year you make a Easter make a conference final the next year you finish dead last.
2: When a paycheck. We
0: need uh, <laughs> we, we
2: need John Lewis
0: Bergman song as our theme
2: song.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh. When he sent that to us that That was an amazing song. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, he ended up posting it on his Twitter feed, Tim singing karaoke. And if there's a real life Fonz somewhere in the world, it's John Liu.
1: Yeah. He he made up a song uh, about Bergevin. uh, Yeah. Based on a, a,
0: yeah. It's a French folk song that he, he changed the lyrics to.
1: And it's incredible. It's just incredible. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's so. I don't want a deal to get done because I think we can just let him sign for two years because he's not going to sign any more than two years with anybody with Winnipeg. You know that for a fact. Uh, Apparently, the Winnipeg uh, dressing room is a toxic atmosphere. I guess there's a lot of, you know, I I, I hear a lot of this always quit on two teams. Well, Columbus, him and Torrance didn't get, if you don't get along with your coach, you don't want to play there anymore. I don't think he gave up on them. I think it was just a matter of I can't work with this coach, and I don't think Torts could really work with him. I think it was one; it was a Petrie Ducharme type situation, right? I don't think it was a he wanted to give up on the team. Same with Winnipeg. There's a toxic locker room in Winnipeg, um, and you know he just wants to go home. I guess he wants to pull the Tavares. There's going to be pictures of him in his pajama baje- Montreal Canadians' pajamas. Baje- uh, when he gets over there and hopefully I'll get a tweet when he scores his first goal in a preseason scrimmage in
0: in practice on an open net yeah in warm up
1: yeah I'm surprised TSN didn't ding me when Sovansky
0: scored in the scrimmage you you didn't see a damn thing didn't see a damn thing on TSN they were busy talking about uh, Matthews's uh, cookie recipe (laughs) (laughs) that's true actually
1: (laughs) thought it was marner's wasn't it marner's cookie recipe
0: no i think this year they went with the matthews because oh, okay. marner taught him how to bake so they wanted to see how well he did oh, yeah. he's still stuck at oatmeal raisin
1: <laughs> i like oatmeal raisin
0: yeah well he's the oatmeal raisin of humanity <laughs> he's a person uh, but nobody likes him
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. uh well
0: terrible what, what are you gonna do? We we make jokes. We make jokes. Leave the um, young,
2: balding man alone. Christy,
1: I've got more
0: hair than him. That's
2: that's not good.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I think that pretty much covers everything we were gonna talk about uh for this week. Um do you have anything else?
2: Yeah, before we go, it's Pierre Luc Dubois, a Montreal Canadian
0: this season. <laughs> um I'm going to say 80% yes. Because I've been talking to some people out of the contacts we made over the the week that we were there and some people I knew before. And there's a big move still to come.
2: And I think it's him. I've been talking to some people out of the contacts that we made. And uh, I'm, I'm
1: almost with you. I think it's going to come down to whether which GM is going to give and and I think and I kept saying this, I think it's gonna be shovel day off because Hughes doesn't really have to. So why would he? And that's a direct quote from this person I talked to. Hughes doesn't have to give, so why would he?
2: Right? So Hughes is been trying to win. So far.
1: He's not trying to win right now. So no. whether he gets Dubois right now or not is irrelevant. He knows he's gonna get him eventually.
0: No, well, even next year would work for him because he'd have an extra twenty million in cap space. Yeah.
1: But he, the, the, the exact quote I got from personnel, leave unnamed. Uh, he said he knows he's going to get him eventually. Why? What does it matter if he gets him now or later? To hit on his side. Yeah. He and we both agree it's going to happen this year, but it's going to be shovel day off. Yeah. Taken what he's off. yeah especially
0: now that uh he can take offer sheets he didn't go to arbitration so yeah. it's kind of pushing yeah the, yeah he's kind of pushing his cards and saying i'm out yeah uh, all right anything else
2: no i got none
0: all right well i just want to thank everybody for tuning in listening uh last week's show was one of our most listened to i guess they liked the fact that we were at a bar I felt that that was a good touch. Uh, it didn't hurt that we had several, you know, famous people there. You know, the, uh, the crew from Happy Hour, super famous. And honestly, we had a great time with them. Really did. All week long. Hung out with yeah. those guys. Uh, I want
2: to thank
1: John everybody else for was... hanging, out, hanging out with us all night long.
0: We, were prom- we promised not to tell people to ruin his rep. We have pictures, Blaine.
1: We shared them.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I followed his rules. He had rules. No, no, he's, yeah, he was fun. Um, yeah. But I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, keep sending comments, keep sending emails. Uh, remember we have that merch store. Now you can buy hats, t-shirts, uh, cups, flags, whatever. And a hundred percent of the money goes to vets Canada. So We're trying to do our part to help, uh, end veterans homelessness. So if whatever you buy, will go to that. Don't worry. It's not helping us. We're not buying beer off this. We're giving that to the community. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we.
3: And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet, wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods and on the Crier Media Network.